Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. First Corinthians chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We're going to hang out in these first five scriptures today. We may go some other places too. But I want to, you good to hang there for a bit? Frankie's such a champ. I, brethren, he says in verse 1, When I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Paul is talking to a church in the city of Corinth. This is a church who, if you read 1 Corinthians and read 2 Corinthians, this is a church that is thriving, it is bustling, it is excited, and it is filled with the presence of God and with manifestations of the presence of God. And uh, these people are so hungry for Jesus that they forget common sense uh, later on in the letter, if you go read it. But uh, Paul talks about all kinds of amazing things. He teaches them about spiritual gifts. He teaches them about the moving of God's Spirit and the power of God's Spirit to meet meet people's needs. He talks to them about the hierarchy of church. He talks to them about the structure of ministry. He talks to them about how to be effective when they minister to people. He talks to them, chapter 13, the famous chapter, uh, the love chapter. Paul talks all about the love of God and describes and defines for us in such articulate ways how God loves us with an everlasting uh, and, and amazing love. And before he gets to any of that, he starts with this kind of introduction. And he says, when I came to you, here's how I came. I didn't come with excellency of speech. Matter of fact, if you read in the latter part of the book of Acts, you'll find that people, when they actually got to meet Paul, they were surprised because they read his letters before they actually met him in person. And when they met him in person, they thought, he writes a whole lot better than he preaches. It's true. They thought, boy, his, his letters are so weighty. He's, so, he's got so much to say in his letters. And then when he's here, we're like, meh. Yeah, Paul. In fact, there's one, there's one time where Paul was preaching and he preached for so long that somebody, he preached, the Bible says, all night. And he preached for so long that somebody who was sitting in a second-story window, fell out of the window and died while he was preaching. How many of you have been to an uncomfortable church service before? (laughs) I was raised a charismatic Pentecostal, man. I've seen everything you can see in church. I've still never seen anybody fall out of a window and die. 
What's so awesome about that is Paul wasn't even phased. He got up, walked back, raised the guy from the dead, and kept preaching. There are certain things you can only do when the Holy Spirit is working in you. And then that wasn't a very great amen. I'm going to give you another chance. There's certain things you can only do when the Holy Spirit is working through you, when the power of God is resident in you. And Paul, thank you. That was a great amen. Thank you. Paul gets ready to dive into this intense letter, and he starts by talking about this. When I came to you, I didn't come with a bunch of philosophy. I didn't come with a really well-articulated, you know, doctrinal position. I didn't come to you trying to argue my philosophy from a worldly standpoint. I came to you in a simple manner. I determined, verse 2, not to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. What would happen if preachers and church people and missions organizations and halfway homes and and all kinds of, uh, you, you know, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Oh, there's a dog just ran across the street. Keep him safe, Lord. That was the funniest thing in the world. I just looked out the window and a dog ran across the street. God, that is funny. We got to do something about these windows. <laughs> what, would, God, what would happen if preachers returned to Christ Jesus and him crucified? What if instead of getting in the pulpit and offering up our opinion on culture... What if we get, instead of getting in the pulpit and offering up our opinion that was influenced by culture, what if instead of getting in the pulpit and preaching whatever made us or you or anybody feel good, what if instead of that, we got up and said, I only want to know Christ and him crucified. There's one thing that I'm aiming for, and that's that you understand that Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again for you so that you could be transformed from the inside out, so that the composition of your heart could be changed in its entirety. I used to get tripped up on verse 3. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. I used to get super tripped up on this because I'm a faith guy. You're one of them name it, claim it. Guilty as charged. No, I'm a faith person. I believe, I believe what the Bible says, and I believe that if I put my faith in what the Bible says, that God will actually perform what the Bible said because he said it, and it's up to him to perform it, and it's up to me to have the faith. So, I mean, if you're a Christian, technically you're a faith person. But I used to struggle with this verse because, you know, faith people, we don't do weakness. We don't do fear and trembling, right? Well, brother, you're just weak. No, I'm not. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's, that's Ephesians chapter 3. Come on, don't, don't come to me with weakness. I used to get tripped up about this verse until I started preaching. You see, Paul's not talking here about his quality of life. Paul was not afraid. Paul was not weak. Paul was not filled with fear and trembling. But when he got up 
under the responsibility and the weight of the gospel, it was a humbling moment. And, and he looked down and saw that his knees were knocking and he said, wait a minute. I was with you with fear and much trembling. Why? Because the presence of God, when you really experience it and when you get to stand and sit under the weight of God's glory, it's amazing. And it's humbling. And you realize that you've got a great responsibility that's just been placed in your lap. What Paul says when, he's, when he says he was weak and, and in fear and much trembling, he's, he's speaking from a position of responsibility. He understands, I have a great, precious gift that I've been given that I need to share with the world, and that gift is called the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's not a light thing. Y'all follow what he's saying here? He's not giving us permission to be weak. He's not giving us permission to be filled with fear. How many of you would just love to be more afraid? Like, no, come on. That's, nobody wants to be more afraid, right? But I do think we need a little douse, a little dose of the weightiness of the gospel that we carry because the responsibility given to us by the head of the church is to go into the world and reach the world for him and to transform the world. And that's a serious responsibility. Doesn't mean we can't have fun doing it. Just means that it's a weighty thing. You know, if, if you had, I watched a movie. I was in Iowa this week for work, and as I was coming home, I watched a movie. And in this movie, there's this scene where they got, like, truckloads of these gold bricks, these gold bars. How many of you got one of those at your house? <laughs> Amen. Tithe. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. But there's a scene where these gold bars spill out onto the street, and you just realize like how heavy those things are. And, and, and one of the characters in the movie picks up a gold bar and sticks it in his shirt when nobody's looking. You know, if you had something precious like that, you would treat it well. If you had a gold bar, you, you, you wouldn't leave it on your front porch before you went to sleep at night. Right? You wouldn't like accidentally leave it at the table on your way out of the restaurant. Oh, what did I do with my gold bar? Oh, dang, I left it in the bathroom. No. If you had something precious and if you had something weighty, you would care for it. You would pay attention to what you did with it. You would pay attention to where you put it. You would pay attention to how you handled it and how you used it. You wouldn't pass it around the table and let everybody touch it and go, oh, look at my gold bar. No, you would treasure that thing. How much do we treasure the weightiness of the glory of God in our life, which is so much more valuable than a gold bar? so much more potent, so much more powerful, so much more meaningful and necessary than a gold bar. Paul, in verse 3, is giving us a window, giving us a perspective into how he handled and how he carried the gospel. Let's keep reading. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling and... My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, 
but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, we're going to get to the second half of verse 4 in a second, but let's spend some time here for a second. Paul says, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit of God and of power. It's almost as if Paul is trying to tell us that there is always going to be distance between the demonstration of the Spirit and the wisdom of men. It's almost as if Paul is juxtaposing those two things together to get us to understand that they're very different and they'll never be the same. When the Spirit of God moves in your life, human reasoning is worthless. When the power of God is in demonstration in our hearts, human philosophy falls way short of that 100% of the time. And here's the thing that I'm learning in my own life. The more of a stand that I take for the demonstration of the Spirit of God and his power, the dumber I look to people who are filled with human reasoning and human wisdom. You know what's awesome about that? I don't care because I'm too busy in weakness and fear and in much trembling, carrying the most valuable thing in the world, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has the power to transform human life. The line in the sand is getting deeper in my life. I don't know how else to say it. The line in the sand, the line in my heart is getting deeper. And I'm over here on one side and all I want is Jesus and I don't care what it costs. Hallelujah. I don't have time for the world. I don't have time for, for empty philosophies. Oh, I, I, will, I will sit at the table and talk with the best of them. I love to have, you know, stimulating conversation about philosophies and about things that people find meaningful. It's just that in those moments, what I'm always listening for is, God, where's the common ground? Where's the, where's the entrance that, that, that you are creating for me to insert the gospel into the conversation so we can see some transformation happen? Because there's always this gap between the spirit of God and power and the emptiness of human reasoning. And Paul was very, very intentional about letting us know the difference so that we wouldn't confuse the two. Because here's the deal. Human wisdom can't save you. Only the gospel can. Human reasoning can't heal you. Only the gospel can. Human reasoning can't fix your marriage. Only the gospel can. Human reasoning can't help you be a better parent. Only the gospel can. Human reasoning can't make you supernatural. Only the gospel can make you supernatural. Y'all know what I mean when I say supernatural? I don't mean like weird things like levitating or, you know. You know, we're not going to have a seance. Don't worry. You know, we're not going to talk to dead people. I see dead people. I mean, it's not going to be a sixth sense moment. Like two of you got that. You're going to get that later when you're brushing your teeth. Get that joke. It's, it's not an odd thing. It's not a weird thing. When we talk about things being supernatural, the word super means above or greater than something. Superman is what? He's super. He's a man that is super. When we talk about the supernatural power of God, we're talking about when God gets involved in your natural and puts his super on it. You follow me? 
when God comes into the natural issue that you may be dealing with and may be facing, and he puts his super on it, when he puts his power on it, and it elevates where you're at up to where he's at. And Paul, it's as though Paul only wanted that in his ministry. He was hungry for that. He said, when I came to you, Corinthians, I didn't come with a big, long statement. Now, we know that Paul knows doctrine, right? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, so we know Paul's a smart guy. But he says, when I got to you, what you needed was not my smarts. What you needed was not empty philosophy. Here's Here's why that's amazing, because in the time that Paul ministered, particularly in the area of Corinth, there were Greek philosophers. See, we take things out of their context. We we take cities and places and times out of their context, and, and we don't necessarily understand what he's talking about. If you go back into ancient Greece and you go back into Corinth, you find out that's where a lot of philosophers lived. People like Socrates, Plato. Y'all know those names? Socrates, if you ever watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Amen. Yeah, bro. Socrates. These, listen, Greece at that time was, was, the, was like a hub of world knowledge. Greece was turning out the smartest, the best, and the brightest. Greece was at that time that Paul wrote this, forming Western philosophy and forming Western civilization. Everything in America that we have was built on what they started with in Greece, right? So, so Paul recognizes when I get to this town, it's going to do me no good to try to just preach from the Bible really deep stuff. I've got to go and put God on display if I want to get these people's attention. And when he got there, he said, I'm heavy with it. It's almost like Paul was pregnant with the power of God. I'm in weakness and fear and much trembling. You talk to a woman who's getting ready to have a baby, you know, the week before. There's weakness, there's fear, there's much trembling. This is a big moment getting ready to happen. I'm carrying around something that's getting ready to come out of me. Hallelujah. I got three kids. I've seen it happen thrice. Okay? I know what I'm talking about. Paul walks around like pregnant with this vision, pregnant with this power of God that's got to flow out of him. And he's like, if I get to Corinth, I can't just get up and preach a nice piece of doctrine because there'll be 10 other philosophers just outside ready to go back at my doctrine and present some human wisdom. And we're just going to get in a fight and argue about it and nobody's going to get saved. He said, when I get to Corinth, the thing I got to do is put Jesus on display and bring the power of God and the Holy Ghost to the scene. Watch what he says. Verse 4. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why? Why, Paul? Why? Verse 5. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When your faith is in the wisdom of men, you will crumble under adversity. When your faith is tied up in the wisdom of men, you fall apart when the enemy really starts to push. When when situations get really ugly and, and life starts to squeeze you, if you're not founded and built on the power of God, if your faith is in something other than the life transforming power of the gospel, then you wilt under pressure. 
The power of God is available to those who are hungry for it. Remember when I got up a little bit ago and talked about us yielding ourselves? Just yielding to the power of God? You know, I'm, I'm really convinced that oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes when you minister to somebody, you go pray for them, you go lay your hands on them like the Bible tells us to do, and, and nothing happens. What I've found is that there's oftentimes yieldedness that's missing. Either the person doing the ministry is not really yielding to God, or the person receiving is not really yielding to God. Like one preacher said, he said, healing's always available and it's always present, it's just not always received. I'm here to tell you that if you and I learn to yield our hearts, if you learn to put your heart in neutral and just say, God, you just get to do whatever you want in my life, I'm not going to try to do anything. I'm not going to work myself up. I'm not going to try to get a feeling. I'm not going to try to do anything. I'm simply going to switch my heart into neutral, and I'm just going to stand here and receive. You'll get miracles really fast. You see, because God is interested in ministering to us. He's interested in meeting us where we're at. Amen. Y'all doing okay this morning? Everybody happy? Okay, good. I'm almost done. He goes on to say in verse 9, As it is written, I has not seen nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. How many of you have heard that verse and thought it was talking about heaven? Yeah, most of us, right? Remember the context that we're reading in. Paul's talking about the gospel and the power of the gospel and the foolishness of man and the wisdom of man versus the power of God. And then he goes, he gets to this spot and he says, as it is written, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And if you stop right there, you could go away and say, boy, when we get to heaven, it's going to be really great. Eye hasn't even seen it. Ear hasn't heard it. We can't even comprehend how awesome heaven's going to be, right? But you got, you got to keep reading. You can't stop at verse 9. You got to go to verse 10. What does he say? But God. Everybody say, but God. But God. How many of you are thankful for buts in the Bible? But God, I like big butts, okay, and I cannot lie, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. There are things that God wants to do in your life. Your eye may not have seen it. Your ear may not have heard it. It may not even have entered into your heart, but God has prepared it, and he wants you to have it. That's why the spirit is revealing the will of God to you and to me. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the heart of a man except the spirit which is in the man? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. You know, the spirit of God knows everything. Let me give you the Josh Thurman translation to that verse. The Holy Ghost knows everything. Okay? 
So eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, you don't know everything. It hasn't entered into your heart what God wants to do for you, but the Holy Ghost knows what it is. The Spirit of God knows what he wants to do in your life. And you know what? The Spirit knows everything. Now go to verse 12. This is amazing. Now we have received what? Not the spirit of the world. Not the spirit of empty philosophy. Not the spirit of vain tradition. Not the spirit of endless arguments. What have we received? We have received the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. There are things that you need this morning that have already been freely given to you by God. It's time, friends, for faith to arise in your heart so that you can step into your place and receive everything that God has for you to receive. I want to challenge your heart this morning to say, can you and will you be willing to believe God for everything that he has prepared for you this morning? You got to have a go get them kind of faith attitude. Amen. I'm talking about like, y'all remember the woman with the issue of blood? I'm having fun now, Frankie. You're following me. This is great. We're, doing, we're going there together. Y'all remember the woman with the issue of blood? What did she do? She pressed through the crowd to get to Jesus. Now here's a woman who the Bible says is totally weak and sick and has spent every dime that she's got on every doctor in town and has not gotten better but has actually gotten worse. And what happens? The Bible says she hears that Jesus is in town. And she says within herself, it's very important, she says within herself, if I could just get close enough to touch him, to touch his clothing, I don't even have to touch him. I just got to get to his clothing. If I can get that close to touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. See, you, my friend, have to get, you have to be willing to grab a hold of the truth of God's word and make a decision in your heart that no matter what it costs me, I'm going to press through every obstacle that gets in my way until I get to Jesus. You have to have, like, like, like one preacher calls it, bulldog faith, tenacious faith. Did you ever try to get a, you know, something out of your dog's mouth that he didn't want you to have? The battle ensued. I'm in a constant fight with our puppy. I'm always taking something out of his mouth that he should not have, and he never wants to give it to me. Amen. God be praised. Y'all pray for the Thurman house. Tell you what, trials and tribulations. (laughs) He's mellowing out. He's getting better. But, you know, you got to get to this place where faith rises in you and you say, I'm not willing to let go of what God said because of this reason. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why you can have faith? First of all, because the word of God says you can. Second of all, because of this, God cannot lie. You know, one of the things that will fuel your faith more than anything is the reality and the understanding that God is, it's impossible for God to lie. If he said it in here, it can't not be true, right? Y'all follow me on the double negative, right? If he said it in there, it can't not be true. 
God is not a man that he should lie. It's got to come to pass. If he says you can have peace in your mind and every thought, every anxious, depressing demon in hell is trying to come after your mind, the word of God has not changed. It's still true. He hasn't lied and you can and should have peace of mind. Amen. If the Bible says you can have healing in your body, if there's some part of you that needs work, you can take it to the bank that he said, by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. You have to just let your faith rise up. Most of us actually already have all the faith that we'll ever need to get healed. You don't need more faith. What you need to do is yield. Let your, just be willing to let your doubt be pushed aside and just say, you know what? I'm yielded and I'll take it, Lord. I'll be willing. I'll let my faith rise up. So many people, they have faith, but they just work so hard to keep their faith down. Well, I just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to believe and then be disappointed. What's the name of our church? Hope Church. Y'all are educated. What does hope mean in the Bible? Expectation. Thank you, sir. You see, faith and its best friend, hope, have to work together in tandem. You need to be willing to uncork your faith with a little bit of hope and let it rise up in you till the expectation is there that God has something good for me and I'm going to get what he has for me right now. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says all things are possible to them that believe. No matter what you came in here with this morning, you don't have to leave with it today. No matter what enemy, what little demon is whispering in your ear telling you you're going to be depressed for the rest of your life. This is just how it is. Get used to it. You don't have to put up with that crap anymore. Amen. No matter what the doctor says, no matter, how, no matter what the length of the prognosis is, well, it's just going to be like this forever. You're just going to need, you know, you just got to get used to it. You just got to learn to cope with this, okay? That's not in the Bible. It might be in a medical journal somewhere, but last time I checked, the medical journal is not the thing that created the universe. The Word of God is. The living Word of God is what set the stars in place. It's what created the oceans and manufactured the globe, and it's the thing that created you and created me, and, and it's the only thing that's going to outlast all of us. It's the Word of God. You know, it's like some people, some Christians, they think that there's this, that, you know, they understand that God is good. They understand that the devil's bad. So we got these two parties, God and the enemy, and then this third mysterious party called life. Well, you know, brother, life has a real, you know, life has a way of bringing you back down to reality. No, that's not in the Bible. The God is good, the devil is bad, okay? The kids downstairs understand this better than most of us. God is real, real good, the devil's real, real bad, that's it. One of the two of them went to the cross and won, right? I mean, I mean the enemy and God showed, showed up and showed down at the cross, and one of them came out victorious. Who was it? It was Jesus, I mean, he came up out of the grave. He rose. The gospel is the power of God to set us free. And the gospel says that Jesus is alive and he'll work on you right now. Amen. Come on, stand up to your feet this morning. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. 
Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.